today on Real Life Radio. God's predetermined counsel was that for his son Jesus to be crucified. What we're responsible for is believing in him and what you're responsible for in your own life is if you don't. This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. Hey, this is Jack Hibbs here, and I want to encourage you to get our brand new book, Living in the Days of Deception. This book is specifically written to help you and I navigate these very deceptive times. Here's a special offer. Yes, it is available wherever books are sold. However, right here at jackhibbs.com, if you order it here with us, you will get and only get right here four video teachings where I address certain aspects of the book with you personally. And so we look forward to you getting your own copy, Living in the Days of Deception, right here at jackhibbs.com, and you can get the four exclusive bonus teachings as well. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is available for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com slash days. That's D-A-Z-E, days. Once again, jackhibbs.com slash D-A-Z-E. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called Futures with a message titled, For Such a Time as This. This series is a study in what the Bible says about heaven, about the future, and why all that matters in our lives today. You see, a future in heaven compels us to the truth of the Bible, that we are His people and we are the ones that He's chosen for such a time as this. Today, Pastor Jack tells us that God works according to His divine appointments. We are here for a purpose. With the evil and trouble in our world today, we're called to point as many as we can toward Christ. Now with his message called, For Such a Time as This, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. So church, write it down. Number one, for such a time as this, you are here. Write that down, please. You need to know this. It's almost like, am I me? Am I here? Yes, you are you, and yes, you're here. God's word is announcing to us right now, you're here. It's not an accident. You are here. You're living, you're breathing, you're hearing. Right now, you're processing this. In all of Esther's life, she could speak about, wow, wait a minute, I was born in such and such a place. I was raised in such and such a family. I lost my family. My, my nation was taken captive. I was carted away to Shushan, Babylon region of the world. And I've, I've, I've been taken out of the populace of this pagan nation, being a Jew. I was picked out. And they tell me it was because of my looks, and I've been pampered, and they and we'll read it later when we go through the book of Esther. Girls, you're going to love it. Ladies, you're going to think it's fantastic. They had this incredible department that was uh, assigned to all of the women of the king's harem. They, were, they soaked in oil. They were given perfumes. They were given massages. They were given the best uh, fabric. They were just, it was, it was like... I don't know. It was like Hollywood, I guess. I don't know. It's like the spa of the, of the world. And she's now realizing, wait a minute, wait a minute. All this is, isn't a bunch of dumb luck. 
Mordecai reminds her there's a plan in your life because every one of us can say, well, I came from a world of captivity or I came, a, came from a world of beauty. I, I came from a world of being exiled or I came from a world of poverty. She could say yes to all those things. Are you hearing me? And to conclude that God is at work. And I want to say to you today, because we're living in a, in a prophetic time and Jesus Christ is coming back soon and we want to be busy about our father's business. He announces to us that you're here now for a purpose. In Psalm 91, verse 15, the Bible says, and I'm reading this verse out of the New Living Translation, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. You need to make that verse a promise to you. Psalm 91, 15. And in the hour and in the day of trouble, God says, I'm there. I'm going to answer you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to rescue you. God's word says that. Are we not in a day of trouble? Yes, we are. You're here and God is on his throne in heaven and his will is being lived out. And I know I speak for you when I say, you don't want to miss on, on that. You want to be right in the middle of that. Whatever God's going to do next, let's be there. Let's do that, whatever he wants. That all that's happened in your life, good, bad, and ugly, God brings it and he redeems it. What a redemptive God. This morning coming in, driving here, I saw somebody probably heading to a car show. It was a 1968 uh, Chevy SS, what is that? SS, I think it was a Camaro. And it's just perfect. And I pulled up alongside and I'm looking at it. And you know, the guy, the guy, he's he's... Nobody does that driving a Yugo. You can tell. What what, what did that look, look like? That look was saying, this car is restored. This car has been brought back to its former glory. This car looks brand new. This car is going to a car show to show off. <laughs> he was talking about redemption. He was showing a picture in his face of redemption. I love Zephaniah. Zephaniah tells us that when you and I get to heaven, it says the Lord is going to look at us and he's going to rejoice over us. And the Bible says that he's going to twirl or spin about with joy. And he, excuse me, hello, he is going to sing. Wow, what is that going to be like? It's called heaven. I don't know. It's called heaven. But God's going to say, Jack, woo, yeah. Can you imagine? Don't don't you get the feeling that you're going to get tiptoe in, like you're not supposed to be there? I hope nobody checks the records too closely. I'm afraid I might find out I'm not supposed to be here. No, the Bible says a broad entrance is going to be supplied to you from Jesus Christ. Trust him. And when you enter in, the Bible says God is going to look at you and say, woo, and he's going to sing. Can you imagine that the God who invented singing sings? It's going to be something. Wow, that's going to be awesome. No, listen, you're here right now for a purpose, church. These last day's events include you. That's thrilling to me. God, how do you want to use me should be our prayer. And here's the catch. God seems to show up the biggest throughout the Bible in our lives when we're in trouble. Esther was in trouble. She's just trying to hide from it. Mordecai was in trouble. Daniel was in trouble. Noah was in trouble. Moses was in trouble. You want to make a difference? Get in trouble. God will show up when you are standing for him. 
and you got to be in trouble. We're called to trouble. I mean that in a good way. We're ordained to trouble. The Bible tells us we're appointed to trouble. But I want to just give you the fine print. Our God shows up in times of trouble. In every situation, we are tasked with the joy of knowing him. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, listen to this. God works, my friend, according to his divine appointments. I believe this. I, I, I hope this matters to you. But in my life, I try to remind myself constantly that whatever's going on is by divine appointment. I don't want to get out of his appointment book. So when something happens, I got to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. I just got a flat tire. I got to pull over. This is an inconvenience, but then maybe God is sparing me from something worse. But maybe not. Maybe God has allowed this flat tire to happen because I'm supposed to encounter the person I'm going to call right now, and that's my triple A number, to get a tow truck. So when the tow truck shows up, I am going to see if this is a divine appointment. So when the guy says, hey, you uh, got a flat tire, huh? Yeah, you know what? Driving to an appointment right now myself, this happens. Hey, look, I'm a Christian. I don't know. You got to thank God even when you get a flat tire. He's got a purpose in it. And the guy will go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but you laid it out there. And then now the whole time, he's either going to drive you or, it's, or uh, fix it. But he's got to fix your tire or he's got to take you somewhere He's captive. It's like a poor man in an Uber car. I have no mercy on an Uber, Uber driver. And when I get in, a, I, I call the Uber at the airport. I need to get picked up. The guy comes to pick me up. Okay, he picked me up. It's a little contract going on there. He's got to take me to my destination. I'm in the back seat, so I can't see his face to see what his reaction might be. Every Uber car I get in, I let them have it. It's true, and it's amazing, because, hey, what's your name? My name's Muhammad. I don't know why, but every Uber driver's name's Khalid or Muhammad. And I'll tell them, hey, wow, are you religious? Yes. Well, me too. Have you ever heard of Jesus? The Jesus of the Bible? And what do they do? They're just driving. They got to go. They got to, they're stuck. (laughs) Divine appointment. Every moment of our lives, because listen, I believe it is so true. Our God is sovereign. And all along the way, in the book of Esther and all through her life, God was arranging appointments. She didn't see them. They were revealed to her. Then when she looks back, she says, now I see. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to by God, Peter is preaching, to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know, him being delivered by, listen, this is post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. Jesus has ascended back to heaven. Peter's now preaching. Listen to this. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by your lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. Man, that's the power of God. God is at work, but how you respond to the fact that God's at work, it establishes God's will. He's going to do his will. But at the same time, when he does it, you better choose which side you're on. 
God's predetermined counsel was that for his son Jesus to be crucified. What we're responsible for is believing in him and what you're responsible for in your own life is if you don't. That's a true statement. God called, God ordained, God appointed. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. Please make this your own. Jeremiah Uh, chapter one, verses four and five. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Church, stop right there. Is that not a truth of God, period? Whoever you are, did God not know you in your mother's womb? The Bible says yes. It's not just Jeremiah. It's you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. means I set you aside for a purpose. The God of the Bible who gives you life, who brings you into this world, has done so with a purpose. Okay? You need to remember that. Big time. This whole movement of this nation to go one year ago, to go from the most pro-life nation in history to now the most violent, baby-killing nation that we have ever known, How does that happen? Listen, just know this. You're going up against the God of heaven who says before a baby's even conceived, I know them, watch. Wow, listen. The baby's conceived. I fashioned them in the womb. And when they're born, they find out I have a sanctified purpose for their life. And then somebody comes in and cuts that baby's head off and interrupts the whole plan. You think God takes that lightly? Oh, and believe me, he doesn't just forgive and he doesn't forget. That will generate the wrath of God, and it is coming. God says, I knew you before I formed you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. God wants to use you in impossible ways. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. Joshua 1, 5 and 6. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. I love that. If your name's Mary, you ought to just make that to be like Mary chapter one, verses five and six. Is your name Bill? Make it Bill chapter one, verses five and six. You don't have to be named Joshua to have that promise. Galatians chapter one, verse 15. This is Paul speaking. Galatians 1, 15 says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, And called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. God's got a plan for your life. An unborn baby, God's got a plan for their life. Don't interrupt the plan of God. Go with the plan. You're listening to Real Life with Pastor Jack Hibbs. You know, to hear more episodes and maybe catch up in the series, just go to jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. And for now, let's get back to our teaching. Once again, here's Pastor Jack. But we're here right now for a purpose, church. There's a reason. You're alive because God's got a plan. Acts 17, 28. The Bible says, Paul speaks again to the Athenians there in Greece. He says, for in him, that is God, we live and move and have our existence or our being. Our very personality lives before God. So that in every moment of every day of every life situation, one thing is for sure, Ben Franklin was right because Ben Franklin leaned on Daniel 4. 
God's in control. Number two, for such a time as this, here they come. Here they come. There's, listen, here they come, meaning Mordecai's. The Mordecai's are here, yes. The encouragers are here, yep. God has brought his people and uses them everywhere, but here they come. Who? The Hamans. The Hamans of life. Are they not coming? Are they not here? The Bible talks, in fact, read it later. It's a fantastic read. Read 1 John, the whole chapter, or the whole book, I should say. It'd take you a whopping 10 minutes. It's only five chapters. 1 John will talk so much about the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, and many people who follow the Antichrist spirit in our day today. We could, this morning, just say, call them Hamans. They are bent on control. They are bent on offending the God of heaven. They are bent on exterminating God's people. You say, how is this a Bible study on futures and Bible prophecy? Because our current environment is against God's people and committed to exterminating God's people and to silence God's people. And it's increasing. Why? The spirit of Haman is here. And obviously there's always been that spirit of Haman to eradicate the Jewish people. Think about that. When you read the Bible and when you read human history, the Jewish people are by far the most persecuted people that have ever lived on earth. Nobody comes close. I don't care what color you are or I don't care what belief system you have. As Christians, we've been persecuted for 2,000 years. That's nothing compared to what the Jews have gone through. Why? Because Satan hates them. Be careful. Don't get on the side of Satan. I don't know any Jews, but I hate them. Really? You're kind of satanic. You probably have horns on underneath your hat there. What is that all about? Satan hates the Jews. Why? Because listen, God tapped the Jews to bring us this book. God tapped the Jews. Listen, God tapped the Jews to have them live life as an example so that we would look at what God is doing with them and that we would have hope. Listen, God chose to be a Jew when he came into the world. He could have been a Canadian. He could have been a, he could have been a Pole. He could have been a Peruvian. Seriously, he could have picked... The nations are his. He could have said, you know what? I'm, man, I'm going to come as a Californian. <laughs> nope, he, he came as a Jew. Isn't that wild? You say, well, the Jews wrote the Bible. It's all, it's all slighted toward them. It's a big conspiracy. It's a Jewish conspiracy. Really, if you had a Jewish conspiracy and you were Jewish, then why would you use this book to make you look like an absolute idiot? Have you noticed that? The Bible says the Jews are the most stubborn people on earth. One thing after another, they're disobeying God and they're offending God and they're leaving him to worship pagan gods. No, 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 no. God wrote it to say, if I can save a Jew, I can save a you. And that's a fact. God, listen, God chose the Jewish people for his purposes. Satan hates them. And you better be careful that you make sure that you love them by provoking them to the love of Christ. But here they come, the evil marching on. They're against the gospel. They're against religious freedom. They're against what is true. Isaiah chapter five, listen, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. You listen to this verse, and then you ask yourself if God does not know what he's talking about when he speaks about the future. Isaiah 5, 20, 21. Woe. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Whoa, verse 21, to those who are wise in their own eyes. Experts, by the way, the word wise in their own eyes is an expert in their own eyes. Experts, experts, experts. And then the word woe twice. Whoa, God says, whoa. That word means, aha. We don't, we don't care what that means. Oh, so what? Aha. Oh, in Hebrew, that's bad. Aha. It means, listen, it means damned or condemned are you. Remember when Jesus came on the scene and said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, blind guides. Remember that? Tremendous. 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. This is the age in which we live. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, meaning the Bible. So listen, evil men and imposters are growing worse. Do you believe that? Then be on guard and watch out because here they come. For such a time as this, you're alive to not only be used by God in this divine appointment, but also to be on guard against those that are coming. I shared this on Wednesday night. I'm going to read it again. Please allow me to elaborate a bit. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1 through 7 right now. Listen to this. Here they come. And again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, that's what God called Ezekiel. Speak to the children of your people. Think about this. Maybe uh, the generation of believers today. And say to them, when I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be upon his own head. Verse 5, he who heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning, his blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, that is God's judgment coming, and does not blow the trumpet, that is the trumpet of warning, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. And you can read that again as I did last Wednesday night, and you can make it this way. Every time you read that, when you say, for example, in verse two, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people or the church in the land, take a man of their territory and make him to be their pastor. And when he sees the sword coming upon the land, are you with me? Do you get that? If that pastor blows the trumpet of warning and people don't listen, then listen, those people are on their own. But if the, if the pastor blows the trumpet of warning and people respond, then they're saved, rescued by the trumpet blast of the pastor warning. But God says in the days when my hand will be heavy upon the land in judgment, if that pastor does not blow the trumpet, then I will require at his hand the blood of those who did not hear the warning. 
And we live in a time right now. Here they come. It's not only falsehood in politics and falsehood in business, but it's falsehood in ministry, falsehood in the pulpits. Be careful. Watch out. You, my friend, are alive for such a time as this. God wants to use you in a radical way. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called, For Such a Time as This. Thanks for being here today. You know, this message is part of Pastor Jack's series called Futures. It's a series on prophetic scripture and what those scriptures mean for us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he exposes the lies with knowledge, experience, and scripture. In a world of deceit, this book is a powerful tool for answers and for truth. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapter, Living in the Days of Deception is a powerful must-read. Let the deception of this world stop here. Order Living in the Days of Deception today by making a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Real Life. Order now and you'll receive exclusive bonus video content by Pastor Jack. Go to jackhibbs.com slash days. That's D-A-Z-E days. jackhibbs.com slash days. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.